getting ready to come up here, and, and almost every morning that I preach, I'll wake up, I'll be getting ready, and, and Haley will look at me and she'll go, I'm nervous for you. And I'm like, why? Like, I, I don't even get nervous coming up here. Why are you nervous? She's like, I'm just nervous that how our family's going to look as a unit. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't exactly know what to think about that. And then I get up here and I'm totally in the zone. I'm ready to go. And I try to put on the headset and the headset broke. And so we're sitting down here fumbling with it like two, two monkeys trying to put, to, something to put together a puzzle or something. And finally we got it on. So we're, we're ready to rock and roll this morning. Um, so Aaron was telling us a couple weeks ago in uh, our staff meeting, and, and he kind of referenced to this at the beginning of the service, that he talks to us about what he's going to be preaching on, not only in the short term, but kind of the long term as well. In fact, I know what his next series after this is going to be on, so uh, no spoiler alerts in here this morning, though. Um, but he told us that when he finished his series on Jude, he was going to go into uh, one on 1 Corinthians 13 on love. And I said, man, that is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And, and you can tell, I, you could probably ask any of these youth down here, I know especially you could ask my, my last youth group what my favorite topic to, to speak on, to preach on, and that is love. Because I think that that is a foundational piece of what it means to be a Christian. And so whenever he said that, I kind of, I have a bad habit of doing this. I open my big mouth a lot, okay? If you know me, you know that's true. Uh, I never stop talking. And so uh, Aaron was like, I'm going to do this series on love. And I was like, oh, I love to preach on that. And he goes, congratulations, you just signed up. And I was like, well, okay, that wasn't exactly how I expected that to go, but okay. Um, and so I was like, well, that's okay. I've got a really good, I've got a really good lesson that I've taught before on 1 Corinthians 13. I love it. It's going to be awesome. And then I go back to my computer, and I, I can't find it. So I had to start over from scratch. So hopefully that I do this justice, but, um, you know, Aaron told you over the next few weeks he's going to be breaking down 1 Corinthians 13. And this is known as the love chapter. And, and, and I have often either used this or quoted this um, in times whenever I've been performing weddings, uh, people will always want, oh, read this. And I'm like, you realize this is not what marriage is like, right? Like, love is patient. Love is... Ca-. No, 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 no. Um, but I, so often uh, I will... I'm getting a dirty look from the back of the sanctuary right now. But uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'll usually use this in a time talking in a, in a wedding or something like that, looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and what love is. But when I really look at this, this entire chapter as a whole, I really kind of see it broken into two parts. And I see verses 1 through 3 kind of explaining the importance of love in our lives as Christians. And then the rest of the chapter kind of explains what love is and what it should look like lived out in our lives. So I feel like it would behoove me to follow the same structure as Paul did in his letter. So what does this passage and the rest of Scripture say about the importance of love in our lives. Well, let's just start right here in 1 Corinthians 13. I'll read the same thing uh, that, that Grace stole my thunder on this morning by reading, but whatever. Um, so we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 1 through 3. That's on page 1,933 in my Bible, but that probably doesn't do much for you. Um, so starting in verse 1, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only the resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. And we can see here that, that you could be the, the greatest, most godly person in many regards. It says you can speak in the, the tongues of angels. You could have prophetic wisdom. That you could be this super sacrificial person both with, with what you give and with your, with your body. That you could give your life for God. But if you, have, if you do not have love as a foundation of these things, you have nothing. And I look around at at our world, at our Christians today, and I see how many of them do these amazing things. Some of the most generous people I know are some of the most, uh, you know, biblically wise people I know. But then I look at the way that their life reflects how they interact with one another, with other people, and I don't always see this piece of love. And so I have to ask myself, what does this mean? Does this mean that they have nothing? And, and I think that our, our culture has a, has a lot to say about this. We, we, we live in a culture that, that's always pushing for this idea of tolerance, and, and they, they label it as love, right? Like you always hear, oh my goodness, you're so judgmental, you need to be tolerant of this issue or this belief or this idea, and they say, if you're not, then you don't love me. We have to make sure that we are people of love, but yet not people of tolerance. And, and this may not seem like a, a huge difference here, but it's very crucial. And, and the difference here is that, that tolerance is really a blind acceptance or a begrudged coexistence, okay? But but tolerance is never going to lead someone to change. Our world needs, our world deserves more than tolerance. Our world deserves love. Jesus always met people with love. You look at the interactions he had, and we, we constantly see the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law saying, why is Jesus spending time and, and eating with sinners and being around sinners and everything? And, and it wasn't because Jesus was being tolerant of their sin. It was because he loved them despite their sin. And that he went around and was wanting to show that love to them in a hope that he could change them. We usually think that love is this, this warm, fuzzy feeling that you get towards one, another person. But real life, transform, transformating love is something much deeper. Transformational love seeks the greater good in others. Seeing the good in other people, maybe when no one else sees it at all. That's the kind of love that we're talking about here this morning. Let's be honest for a second. You can't force someone to change. It has to be their choice to change. But when you love, you give them a glimpse of how their life should be and could be. God is calling us 
God is demanding of us, telling us that without love, you are nothing. He is calling for us to love the world for him. We are the love of God lived out in our world. We have to go out and be Jesus' hands and feet to a lost and dying world around us. God love changes lives, and we have to be that acted out. Therefore, we cannot really, you know, we, we can and we are called to change the world for God. And, and we hear that all the time. And, and we talk, I talk to the youth about this all the time. People always say, you guys are the future. You know, go out and change the world. And, and in, in, in many regards, we look at that and it doesn't click, right? How can I, one person living in Northwest Arkansas, especially like looking at a teen's perspective, how can I, one teen living here, be the change in the world? I don't have the answer to that, but I know that it starts with the love of God. It starts with a foundation built on this, this overwhelming, unexpressible, perfect love that God displays to us and that should be displayed through us. We see another call to love in 1 John 4, 7 through 12. I'm going to try to save my spot back in 1 Corinthians. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And in this call, this, is, this has got to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture. In this call to love, we actually see that if we do not love, we do not know God truly. We can know who God is. We, we, can, we can know that He exists. We can know about Him. <coughs> but if we do not love in the way that God has shown us love, we do not truly know God. We don't know his nature because his nature is love. And I love the part in there where it says, God is love. And this is an interesting statement. God is love. This means a myriad of things about God, his nature, how he relates to us. And when we look back at 1 Corinthians 13, 
And we realize where it says love is patient, love is kind, and, and we'll, we'll get there. But we really see this idea that if God equals love, this is my, my math background and, and analytical sign. If God equals love, then I can replace the word love with God in 1 Corinthians 13. And all of a sudden it starts to sound like this. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. He is not rude. and He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, and always hopes. God perseveres. If you don't understand what love is, then you don't understand that that describes my God. We realize that we can place God in this verse, and, and, and it's comforting in a way to see this example of who God is. It helps us to really understand the nature of God. And I think this is something that, that, that not only Christians, but that the world is seeking for, to understand, like, the, whether they believe in a God or not, they, they, they have questions about our world and, and how it was created and that there's some meaning to life, right? And, and so everyone's seeking these questions, and right here we see that the, the, the nature, that if we understand that God exists and we can understand that our questions can be answered about the nature of God through this passage and looking at it through the lens of God being love. So what does this mean for us? Obviously, it means we're loved by God, but looking forward, it, it, it's this idea that it tells us that without love, we are nothing, and that if we don't have love, we don't know God, we're being told that our lives have to just be overflowing with a love that is unexplainable and unimaginable. That seems a little overwhelming. That seems a little challenging. I don't know about you guys, but, but other people frustrate me from time to time. So how can we even begin to think about living out this love in our own lives. And I think we're, we're comforted in this when we're told in 1 Timothy 3.16 to be an example of love. It, it says more things, but, but one of the big things it says in there is to be an example for the believers in love. That's a, that's a large calling on my life pertaining to all of you out there. I have to be an example of love for the believers. But it's also a call on your life. You have to be an example of love for the believers. We're all called to be an example of love for one another. And this could feel overwhelming, but we have to be rest assured to know that God has given us the ultimate example. The, the answer key, if you will, is God. And we just have to copy down the answers. That's a lot easier said than actually executed. 
But we are to be God's example of his love in this world. And let me tell you this right now. I, I, I tell the youth this all the time. In life, you're always an example. Always an example. You're a good example or you're a bad example. You're always an example. Like it or not, when someone identifies you as a Christian, you're put under the microscope to them. I mean, Jesus even tells us this in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Guys, our lives as Christians are something that's lived out in, in a public way, really. Right? If you, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, then everyone is constantly looking for any way to undermine not only you, but God himself. Say, well, if you live your life like this, then God can't be real because you claim to be a child of God and you're doing these things. Not only does this put us under the microscope, but it puts a big, giant target right on our back. Generally speaking, people know that Christianity teaches love. Why do we know that this is true? It's because it's the one thing people attack about Christians, right? It's the one thing that people always go to and are on the lookout for from Christians. That's why we always hear this idea that, oh, Christians are so judgmental because that's the opposite of love, right? That's the one attack that people make on Christians is that you don't do what your faith teaches, and that is to love. So, so what should we do about this? We have to be, we have to be a textbook example on what it means to love. And that has to be one of the most challenging aspects of the Christian faith. Because there are situations in life that it's hard to love. Someone demeans your family. It's hard to love. Someone disrespects you. It's hard to love. Someone cuts you off on I-49 as you're trying to get in. It's hard to love. Okay? It's hard to love. But God didn't say that being a Christian was going to be easy. He said it was going to be hard. So, so I'm going to give you guys really this morning two ways that we should love. And, and let me tell you, these are the most groundbreaking two points you will ever hear someone preach. We need to love God. And we need to love people. Told you, groundbreaking. But what does this mean? And how does this translate? Being an example of loving God means putting God above all else. Plain and simple. When we look at this idea of loving God and loving people, so if we're looking at loving God, what does this mean? It means putting God above all else. 
so often we, we like to do lip service and say that we put God above all else, but when push comes to shove and we need to make a stand, we bail on God. And I'm pointing the finger at myself just as much as I'm pointing it at anyone in this room. We say with our mouths that we love God above all else, but when it comes down to it, God's the first thing to go. I talk to the students all the time about, hey, you guys are busy, right? You have school, you have homework, you have social lives, you have your relationship with God, you have church time. What's the, what's the first thing to go in a student's day? It's their quiet time, right? I, I just didn't have time to read my Bible today. I, I had too much homework, I had too much school, I had too much social life that I didn't have time to read my Bible today. And I point that down to the students, but I think that directs to everyone in this room. How many times we say, I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to spend time with God. Loving God means putting God above everything else. And I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if that means that you wake up in the morning and before you do a single thing all day, you're like, I'm putting God first. And I don't care if it means that I'm 15 minutes late to work today. God comes first. Maybe that's what it means to you. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? There's this 15 minutes in the day where I do watch this TV show or something, and in that time, I'm going to put God over that TV show. I don't know what that means for you. I'm just up here making up examples. But loving God in a way that is designed to make it to where you are an example of love in this world means you have to put God first in your own life before people can see that you love in the way that God loves. Being an example of, a, of loving God means to be unapologetically devoted to God. And if that makes people angry or gets you in trouble, you shouldn't care because you're fully devoted to God. People will see this, and yes, they might think you're a little crazy, but they will take notice of the love that you have for your God. That's one thing that will definitely be noted and they will, they will understand that you take your faith seriously and you take your relationship with God seriously. And if, they're no, if they know that you're willing to be verbally, physically, whatever, lashed for God, they will know the level of commitment and the level of seriousness that you take in your faith. We've got to be people who love God and we have to be people who love God on display for all to see. Because when people can see it, they know that you actually believe it. But that's not enough. Loving God is not enough. God wants us to love him, but he also wants us to love other people. And let me tell you this. This is not contingent on whether they care about us at all. We are told to love others. So what does this mean? Well, back to the point where I said we could take God's name because God is love and put it in 1 Corinthians 13. If we are to mirror God's example of love in this world, we should be able to insert our own names into 1 Corinthians 13. 
now that verse doesn't look as fun as it did when we put God's name in there. Right? We want a God that's patient, kind, loving. But we don't want to be patient, kind, and loving. That doesn't sound like much fun. If we look at that, it gives us the blueprint, though, of how to mirror God's love. It says to be patient, be kind, be truthful, be protective, be trusting, be hopeful, be persevering. Do not envy, do not boast, do not be prideful, do not be rude, do not be self-seeking, do not be easily angered, do not keep a record of wrongs, and do not delight in evil. If anyone in this room can tell me that they can do all those things perfectly, then, then you're done here, you can go ahead and get up and leave. But when we look at that right there, we see a blueprint of how we're to live our lives. And I'll tell you right now, just starting off on be patient and be kind. Okay, I probably broke two of those yesterday. Okay? I was driving around a parking lot and I was like, I need a spot. I'm impatient. And then someone pulls it and I'm not kind now. Okay? Like, it's very easy to not follow this blueprint. And we all can look at this and go, okay, this does not describe me it's kind of like hearing with only 12 easy payments of a thousand dollars well that's not an easy payment like right it it sounds nice that you're like oh we're breaking it up for you it's no big deal but no matter how hard it sounds no matter how unrealistic it can sound the bible instructs for christians to do nothing less than what we see in 1 Corinthians 13. Nothing less. You know, you might be saying, when we looked, I, I told you we looked at 1, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, I may have misspoke earlier. It's 1 Timothy 4.12. It talks about being an example for the believers. And in this moment, I'm talking about being an example for non-believers, right? I'm saying people who don't understand what Christianity is and what it teaches. and That's the example that I'm talking about being right here. But But we do a pretty crummy job of being loving to believers sometimes, too. Just being totally honest. Guys, I, I work in the church. I see a lot of things in the church. I hear a lot of things. Okay, I'm going to give you a little insight here. If you ever hear me say this, I tell Aaron this all the time. If people come up and ask me for information, and either I don't want to give it, or I just say, I'm the youth pastor. They don't tell me anything. Okay? And people go, oh, that sounds right. Okay. That moves, like, they believe that. Okay? And so that's my go-to to get out of stuff. But I hear a lot of the stuff that goes on in the church, believe it or not. I'm just the youth pastor, but they do actually tell me stuff. <clears throat> And I hear some of the things that are said, some of the things that are done. Some of it breaks my heart, honestly. And not just this church. I'm not trying to pick on you guys this morning. But it breaks my heart to hear the way that some of our believers speak about each other, talk about each other, treat each other. We do a crummy job of being an example of love, not only just to non-believers, but sometimes to our own, our own kind, to each other. And I think, I'm kind of like Aaron, that last song just really kind of spoke to me, that let the church rise. How's the church going to rise if we can't even love one another? Let 
So by doing these things that we talked about, loving people with this unconditional, unapologetic love of God, this shouldn't just be something that's directed to unbelievers or directed to the lost. This is something that needs to, we need to first focus on what we do to our fellow believers. People that we should love with the brotherly and sisterly love of the family of God. And we didn't even get into how hard it is to love some, some lost people, right? I, I once had a kid come up to me. I think it was, it, I, I taught something along this line of that we should love all people. And he came up to me and he said, I will never love terrorists. Okay, that's kind of a little bit of an overstatement of a point, but God tells you to. That sounds ridiculous. But let me tell you this, God loving me sounds ridiculous to God. We're called to love all people. Believers, most definitely. Non-believers, yes. Extreme non-believers, extra yes. We have to be people who display the love of God in all that we say and do. We have to be. I, 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 I can't imagine how you look at these two passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 John 4, and don't come to that conclusion. I feel like you could just read that, come to the conclusion, shut the Bible, and go about your day and say, I've got to do a better job of loving. And and really, everything else that I've set up here this morning is filler. Because you could just read those two passages, come to that conclusion, and go, my goodness, I need a transformational love adjustment in my life, not only directed to God, but to direct it to every single individual I come in contact with in my entire life. And if you are not prepared to do that, And if you are not prepared to have that happen in your life, I think you need to reevaluate your relationship with God because it clearly says in here, if you do not know love, you do not know my God. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, what changes need to take place in your life for you to love the way that God loves? What person do you need to forgive to love the way that God loves? What can you do to be God's love lived out in our world? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. God, we can't understand it. We don't deserve it. Sometimes it's hard to even believe it. But we praise you and we worship you for that love. God, and we pray for the strength to be people who, who enact that same love into the lives of those we come in contact with, to enact that same love into our world. God, there's a lot of people in this world who don't know you, and therefore they don't know your love. I pray that you would put us in their path so that we could be your love in their life. 
We know it's hard. We pray that you give us strength, that you give us courage, that you give us boldness to live our lives in this radical way of all-out love. We pray that you would continue to love us even as we fail to love others. We thank you that you do, and we thank you for your forgiveness of when we fail you. I pray that you would just lead us from this room today, that you would bless us, and that you would put this church on a mission to be your heartbeat in this community. God, we pray all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.